when you start feeling stressed or you start giving up things you care about more, like you go to your kid's practices, but you're always on your phone. Or when you pick your kids up and they're in the backseat of the car and you have to go because you're on a speakerphone talking to somebody, you know, when you've got things in your life that are taking you away from things that are more important, that's when people start thinking about, do I need help? And there's more than one way to create leverage, Brandon. You don't just have to, you know, hire a bunch of people. I, 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 my motto is lead with revenue, not expense. So you can build leverage by using all outsourced stuff. So I can hire a virtual transaction coordinator. I can hire an outsized outsourced uh, social media marketing company. I can have somebody do my, I can, I can pay a, an office runner to go out and deliver signs and set up my open houses. So there's a lot of ways to create leverage without building a big team. So it's just a matter of deciding where you want to go, what the opportunities are, and then defining what that looks like. And yeah, you would call us at that point. Well, and whatever that looks like to you, your coach will help you figure that out. You're listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast. We're not here to bruise your bananas with guru sales pitches, overrated fluff, or any other kind of monkey business. We simply provide the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Gorilla State Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Magarowski. And as always, this episode is brought to you by From Middle Class to Millionaire, uh, one of the fastest growing Facebook groups out there. If you're looking to get your ass out of the middle class and into millionaire status, jump on Facebook, join the group for free. It's From Middle Class to Millionaire. Uh, inside that group is like-minded people looking for the same thing you're looking for, accountability, a network, and the tools needed to get into millionaire status. So jump online, join the group. Today's guest is Verl Workman. The hook for Verl, Verl runs an eight-figure coaching business in real estate. Eight-figure coaching business. I'm excited to have him on. I met him a few weeks ago at a fun symposium seminar. I was blown away by his message, uh, his speaking ability, and the business that he's been able to build with his family. Uh, he has a 20 years of experience in professional speaking in professional coaching. He's done over 1,000 speaking engagements and seminars. Uh, and in 2016, Burl earned the Certificate of Speaking Professional designation from the National Speakers Association. Uh, I'm assuming that's a very prestigious award. Uh, Verl is buzzing in now. So let me join him to the call. And here we go. So Brandon. Verl. Hey, you man. How you doing? Great to see you. Good to be seen. What's new and exciting? Uh, not much. Just finished up a little kindergarten graduation this morning and yeah, cool. uh, looking forward to talking to you again. It's been, uh, been a few weeks. What, uh, what's been going on since the fun symposium? Jeez, I've been on, I've been on the road. Yeah. Uh, time, yeah. I've been to Biloxi, Mississippi, Kansas, New York, Florida. Is that for, uh, for workmen or is that for yeah, pleasure? Gigs. Yeah, no, all, all speaking gigs. All speaking gigs, right? Yeah. All right. Well, just to let you know, we, I already did the introduction. Uh, okay. Usually I just roll right into it because I just want to have a free flowing conversation with the Burl and kind of catch back up on our conversations in, in Vegas when we met a couple of weeks ago. And really kind of like I mentioned to uh, your assistant who asked, you know, what does Burl need to communicate to the listeners and to this podcast? And the bottom line is we're just trying to motivate people and give them some tools that they can take. Um, if they can take one nugget out of this and apply it to what they've got going on in their business or their real estate, their life. And, and they move forward with it, that's a win. 
And that's Great. what this podcast is about. So I uh, just want to get things rolling. Can you just give, give us a quick background? I know you're really good at this for all you've got the hook down. So <laughs> I think some people could really probably take note of this 32nd elevator pitch you're about to get, but can you just give us the rundown of what exactly you do? Yeah, so our company specializes in three different areas. The first is we are uh, experts in real estate teams. So we work with individual agents who are good at the business that create more opportunities than they can handle. And we help them create leverage with technology and with human resources. So we're really good at doing teams. We have about 100 coaches that coach real estate team leaders and brokers and owners who want to build teams. And running a team is kind of interesting, Brandon, because it's not really real estate. It's how do you run a team period? Like it doesn't matter what business you're in. The concepts are the same. We just choose real estate where to, as an area to focus on. And then we have a speaking side of the business where people hire us to come in and speak and uh, motivate, train and inspire their people, get them excited to get off their butts and do something different. Uh, I like to say that I'm an adoption specialist, meaning that um, we get people to actually adopt and to use and to in- implement tools or systems or ideas. And then we have a consulting side of the business. So speaking, coaching, and consulting is what we do at Workman Success. Okay, that's fantastic. And dialing it back to um, the the coaching side of things with the individual real estate agent, just to kind of paint a picture. So let's say I'm a a successful real estate agent in my city of Dallas-Fort Worth, but I'm a lone soldier and I cannot scale without a team underneath me, but I don't understand how to build that team. Is that where Workman comes in? and says, hey, we can teach you how to build a team, scale your business, and where you can start working on your business and not in your business. Is that kind of the gist? So, yes. Uh, but like I, I tell people all the time, nobody should tell anybody else what kind of business they should own, whether it's an individual. A lot of people are happy as an individual agent. I'm told, That's totally great. Um, if somebody is like, when you start feeling stressed or you start giving up things you care about more, like you go to your kid's practices, but you're always on your phone. Or when you pick your kids up and they're the backseat of the car and you have to go because you're on a speakerphone talking to somebody, you know, when you've got things in your life that are taking you away from things that are more important, that's when people start thinking about, do I need help? And there's more than one way to create leverage, Brandon. You don't just have to, you know, hire a bunch of people. I, 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 my motto is lead with revenue, not expense. So, so where are the revenue buckets that we're not, that we're not uh, uh, capitalizing on? How do we fill those buckets? And then, and then we implement systems. You can build leverage by using all outsourced stuff. So I can hire a virtual transaction coordinator. I can hire an outsourced, outsourced uh, social media marketing company. I can have somebody do my, I can, I can pay a, an office runner to go out and deliver signs and set up my open houses. So there's a lot of ways to create leverage without building a big team. So it's just a matter of deciding, you know, where you want to go, what the opportunities are, and then you know, defining what that looks like. And yeah, you would call us at that point. Well, and whatever that looks like to you, your coach will help you figure that out. We'll yeah. look at your business plan, your strategic plan. Where do you want to be five years from now? And then we work backwards into it. And that's just kind of pull a line out of that comment you just made, lead with revenue. That was a big point that you made to Ramsey and I uh, when we had breakfast uh, for everyone. We were at a fun symposium in Las Vegas and yeah. we met Verl there. Actually, the story goes, we showed up for the first night and just like any networking event, we come and we go to the lounge, right? And you see all these new faces that you've never seen before. And then you see Joel Block, who's the leader of the symposium. We know Joel. So you, you obviously you migrate to the person you know first. Yep. So we go to Joel and we say, hey, guys, good to see you. Good to see you. And he kind of starts pointing some people out and he points over to this guy wearing a ball cap. And just like, looks like your everyday Joe. 
He's like, yeah, that guy, he runs a, a big coaching business and this and that. It kind of just didn't really explain who you were, Burl. And inside of, you know, business coaching and all, all the mentorship stuff, there's so many coaches out there and so many mentors out there that it almost gets watered down to the point where you hear the word coach inside a business and you kind of go Ugh, like, oh, another one. But right. what I quickly learned was, and this was kind of the hook you gave was, you run an eight figure coaching business and that opens your eyes immediately to say, Oh my gosh, this guy is legitimate. What is he doing that nobody else is doing? Cause there's one-off coaches everywhere. And the biggest point when we sat down for records with you, you said lead with revenue. What do you see people, where's the ex- mistakes people make when they lead with expenses? What's the number one mistake they're making? Oh, they think they can hire people or buy leads or, you know, invest in technology and that'll solve their problems. And what the real problem is, is they don't know what to focus on every day. And they're spending 70, 80% of their day doing $20 an hour activities. And I can never take somebody to the place in their business where they're making seven figures. If they spend any of their day doing stuff that's worth 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. So leading with revenue means that we have to identify what's your highest and best use of time. And how do we get the ROT? You know, on the investor side, we talk about return on investment all the time. You know, what's the ROI and what are your cap rates? And there's all these investing terms in business. I call it ROT. What's your return on time? If you put an hour into something, what's the return you're going to get? And I would say that most realtors out there and most business people actually spend most of their time focusing on things that somebody else should do. But they're so they have such big egos, they think nobody can do it as good as them. And so and their clients really want to really want them. So they have to show all the houses and they have to do all the paperwork and they have to deliver all the mailers. The reality is nobody really actually cares about us. They care about themselves and they want a home for their families. And the realtor is a tool in the process. And if we understand that, then it allows us the ability to create scale. Yeah, that's fantastic. The return on time versus the return on investment. That's And that's something we're building inside of our group for middle class to millionaire. We're actually coming out with an ebook that is specifically about time. Love it. It's about the value of your time and whether are you trading time for money or money for time? That's kind of the big thesis around it. But inside, okay, so inside the coaching and the mentorship and the speaking gigs, you know, one of the questions I actually just got off the phone with one of my partners and I said, hey, what do you want me to ask Verl? Like, if you had one question for Verl, what would it be? And his question is, what's the difference between mentorship and coaching? That's a great question. So a mentor is somebody that you really look up to that is willing to give and pour into you without um, any expectation of getting something in return. And so I've had lots of great mentors in my life and they're people that I look at in business and I recognize, and, and not just business, some are just good fathers. And there's someone that I look at and say, you know what, that's, a, that's the kind of family that I want. And so I, you, you, have, you ask them questions and they just give you legitimate answers without any agenda. So I would say mentorship doesn't have an agenda. When you engage in a coaching relationship, you expect a result. And the agenda is, my agenda as a coach is to understand where you want to go and help you define a clear path to get there. Where a mentor would, would give you suggestions and you could choose whether or not to follow that advice or not. Yeah. I think that most people... Um, They follow advice of mentors when it suits them, but when they pay enough for the advice, they better do it because it's got to work because they're spending money. 
And, you know, you, you said something that as uh, that made me think, you said, you know, there's all these one-off coaching companies and everybody can start a, you know, anybody can be a coach. And my, the, the phrase that was going through my head was those who can't do coach. Like if you can't yeah. do it, you become a coach and help other people. Right. Our coaches are our clients first. And so they first have to be a client. They have to show excellence. They have to grow their businesses. And we double, like if you're at 250, I'll take you to a half a million bucks in a year. And if you're at 500,000 in income, I'll take you to a million. If you're at a million, we go to two. So wherever you are, and then when you implement all the systems and processes, your coach will nominate you and say, Hey, you've, you're doing a great job. I think it's time you share and help others. And then they go through a very intense process to become a workman coach. These are very well-trained people that have, you know, 1800 hours of development before I ever turn them loose on a client. It's not a, it's not a, Oh, you should, you know, you didn't make it in real estate. Maybe you should coach. You may be assigned a coach that's making three or $4 million a year in real estate. And they don't do it for the coaching fee. They do it because um, somebody helped them and changed their life. And now they want to, help somebody else's. That's a big differentiator. Well, we're about to dive deep into that, Viral, because um, that's something I wrote down is, is your ability to scale your business to what it is today is because of the quality coaches you have. So the process would go, if I came on early on as, Viral, you coached me one-on-one and you gave me A to Z and I went and executed A to Z and you come back to me and go, man, great job. I think you'd be a really good coach to help the next client. But first, you need to learn how to coach. Is that the way it goes? So usually it's 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 a little bit different than that. Usually the client is has so much gratitude because it's not the money they're making, but they get their life back They're um, They have date night with their spouses every Friday. They're starting to travel. They can take a week off and not call in like their lifestyle changes so much. And because there's gratitude, they say, what can I do for you? Cause clearly I'm not, I can't pay you enough. Mm-hmm. And we say, you know what, help others. And yeah. so we, we get by giving. And that, and that's how we respond to what can I do is we say, let's help, let's help others. And so then they, then they interview with our director of coaching and they accept, uh, they accept a nomination and then they go through trainings. They have to come to Salt Lake twice a year for three intense days. They have to commit to every Friday being on a coach development call. And so every Friday at eight o'clock in the morning, mountain time, I have a hundred coaches on a call and we are using the wisdom of our crowd to to, to not just to train them, but to solve client issues. So a coach will show up and say, hey, I've got a client that's, you know, dealing with um, a builder who can't get inventory and uh, can't get materials. And they've got all these people under contract that are starting to drop out because the builder can't finish the product. How are you dealing with that? Mm-hmm. And then we'll have five coaches raise their hands and they have to have a real solution. They have to have experience do it. And they have to have data that shows how that what they did made a difference. And then they can share it. And so it's a very data-based sharing. And we'll take all that content and our writers will then put it into a module and then it becomes available to all the coaches that can plug into now and use that module when they have that issue. So we call it wow. the wisdom of the crowd. It's pretty cool. Sounds like this is pretty thought out, bro. <laughs> you know what? I have really smart kids. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter, Brianne, who runs the, she's our president, is uh, very, very good at ex- the execution of the ideas. So I'm going to yeah. come up with the ideas, but you need somebody on your team that can execute. And that's, that's my kid. Oh, that's Brianne and Nate and Ryan. They do a great job with that. Well, let's, I want to dial it back before Brianne, Brianne and Nate and, and Ryan and Ryan or Brian, sorry. Rhino, Ryan. 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 You know, when, you know, every expert starts as a beginner, right? So you probably had this vision, um, you know, I want to start a coaching business. Uh, you, I'm sure you're a successful agent. You did some stuff inside of your agency that said, hey, this could really work for other people. So dial it back to when you first got going and, 
and how, you know, what mistakes did you make early on trying to develop the coaching business that you would tell others like, Hey, don't do this. Okay. So the first thing was I, I never wanted to build a coaching business. That wasn't my agenda. I didn't think, Oh, I should have a coaching. I never, never thought that. I'm, I'm an accidental success, not an intentional one. Mm -hmm. so I, I wanted to be a professional speaker. I saw Zig Ziglar talk when I was in high school and I'm like, I told my DECA teacher, Hey, I want to do that. And he said, Oh, you need to get something more realistic. So I just wanted to be a speaker because I thought, you know, that's something that I don't know. I just, I, my dad was a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher, but they don't make enough money. And so I wanted to be able to teach, but make a living. And so as I started speaking, what would happen is after a few years of speaking, people would come up to me and say, Hey, um, you know, I saw you two years ago and I'll say, awesome. So what have you done with what I taught? Well, nothing. And it, it became a theme that people get motivated and they hear presenters. And I'm sure you've been to events like this where you're like, oh, that was awesome. And you take a, you have a book full of notes and then you get back and you take your trick or treat bag from the convention floor and all your notes and it gets set in your office. You never look at it again because your whirlwind of life keeps going. And so after hearing that um, people were inspired, but they weren't taking action. I thought, well, how do we get them to actually do something new instead of just hear something new? And that's when I said, you know what, we need to, we need to figure out how to get adoption of the concepts. And I didn't go through any kind of coaching certification. I never saw anybody else coach Had a business partner at the time. And we started a group coaching program and we charged a thousand dollars for six months of coaching. And we took a hundred people at a time through 12 sessions, two sessions a month. And everybody paid a hundred bucks. We do a hundred at a time. And every time I would speak, I would build for the next coaching group. And so I was constantly building for the group. And so that's how I started coaching. And then in those groups of a hundred at a time, we start getting people that were like, you'd have, there were three kinds of people in every group. And you'll recognize this as you, as you coach and start doing this. There's the, the also rans. They're the ones that like to talk about how they used to run in high school. I was on the track team. They want to go back to all the things they've done in their life. They don't do anything new. All they do is suck your energy and take up time on the calls. We mute them. So the also rans and they're, you know, that's going to be a third of the group and they pay for your coaching and at the end. They go, yeah, it wasn't, I really get anything. And it's because you didn't let them talk. And you know, they were there to learn, not talk. And then you have a third that I call my tweeners and the tweeners are like, Hey, they're listening and they're doing some of the stuff, but they have some limiting beliefs on what's possible. And they don't implement everything, but they'll tell people it was a good value. And then you have this third that are your raving fans and the raving fans just buy in. They just decide, Hey, I invested this. I'm into it. I'm just going to follow the coaching advice and they knock it out of the park. And that third starts to raise their hand and say, Hey, I don't want to be part of the group. Can you just help me? And I didn't even know what to charge. Yeah. And so I, I just came up with a number and said, sure, I'll help you. My first one I charged, um, I think it was $5,000 for six months of coaching. The next, and I thought, and then I started doing that. And that, that's not very, that wasn't a very scalable program. And so and then I had a guy named Kevin out of Salt Lake City, who was a big condo conversion guy, but was transitioning to regular real estate. And I took him on and I said, I'll just take 25% of whatever we grow your business. So, and he was doing 300 units. So he said, we, we used the benchmark of 300 units and I took 25%. When we hit 400 units, he says, yeah, I can't pay you that much. <laughs> so, so I played with all different kinds of models and, and now, and now we've kind of, we've kind of dialed in our coaching is a thousand dollars to 5,000 a month, depending on your coach. And we give somebody a coach that's performing or coaching people at a higher level than them. 
And so if you're making 250, I'm going to give you someone that's coaching people making 500 to 750. Right. They know how to get there and they've known they've, they've been there before. They've been down the road. They know the imp, they know the, the hard things. Um, you asked me for mistakes. One of the first mistakes, it was my, my business was built around me. So it was Verl Workman seminars, Verl Workman coaching, Verl Workman events. Mm -hmm. And so when everybody wants a coach, who do you think they want? Verl. Right. And right. there's no, there's no scale in that. Yeah. And so, you know, this business is six years, seven years old, six years old. And when, I, you know, we started this business because I got fired by my partners. I had merged with a company out of Illinois and I got fired by my partners. And when Brianna and I were flying back from South Carolina, trying to figure out what we wanted to build, we came to the conclusion that we didn't want it to be about Verl. And so we called it Workman Success Systems. Mm -hmm. And so the focus was on the success in the systems, not on Verl. And that was a pivotal change in the new business. You know, it took 15 years to generate a million dollars in my previous company. It took less than three months to do it in this one wow. because we, we got, we called past clients and said, Hey, I want you to be a coach. I'm starting a coaching company. I don't know what it looks like. And I don't know how I'm going to pay you, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And they said, okay. So we just figured it out. Our first coach training was in my kitchen, sitting around the kitchen table and we had printed books for everybody. And we just started figuring it out. How do you recruit clients to like, how do you, how do you find people that need to be coached? Are, are you, is there a funnel that they're coming to you? Are you reaching up to them? Is it organic? It's a combination of a lot of things. You know, when you have, we have, you know, 600 plus private one-on-one -on -one clients mm -hmm. and another 20 or 30,000 that are in our, in our online training and doing things. And so just that organic growth is happening because of referrals. We get a lot, a lot of our clients start killing it and their brokers are like, what are you doing? And I hired workmen. Well, what do they do? And then they'll hire us to come in and speak to their office. And when we speak that generates leads that, and the way that we do our funnel is we always give something of value. Well, you know, I know we give our good stuff. Like when somebody wants something from me, if they ask for anything that I show from the stage, I'll give it to them. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's my most proprietary thing. I'll just give it to them. And what I've learned is people will copy everything except your hard work. And right. so I just don't worry about it. And so we just give our, our motto and our messaging is serve regardless of opportunity. And that's our funnel. Yeah. And by, by serving, it puts tons of people in because they download things. And then we have a sales team. We have business consultants that'll call them up and say, Hey, why'd you download that business plan? What are we hoping to do? Where are you now? How can we help? Yeah. They'll set appointments for our uh, consultants who then have a true business consultation. And the goal in the consultation is to give them two or three ideas that they can actually implement and do that they don't pay for, and then introduce them into the concept of having somebody like that give them advice twice a month there on a call. And it's a good process. It just moves them down. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And back to your point you made about, um, you know, sharing some of that proprietary information. Let's say you had like an underwriting spreadsheet or something. I think everyone's really protective of that because they think that people are going to be able to copy it and be just as successful as they are and get on the same growth pack. But, but like you said, a third of those people are not going to take action. No, no. They're just going to collect that data, just like they collected their binder from their seminar or their work or their mastermind group that they flew to Florida for, for $3,000. And it's going to collect dust because what they can't do, like you said, is replicate your hard work and the knowledge you have inside of your business of how to scale and save your time, right? Yeah. Um, on the coaching side, Burl, you know, I think this is a big piece of it is when you bring on those coaches and you get them ready to go coach clients, 
how do you keep those coaches um, informed on the latest information outside of those Friday calls with a hundred people? Because as those coaches progress, you know, if you lose sight of them, you know, they may be teaching stuff that is just outside of workman success. You know, how do you keep them accountable? How do you keep them educated? How do you keep them motivated? So we, we have a technology platform. We call it Workbench. And inside of Workbench, all of our coaches uh, put all of their coaching notes in there. Every coaching call is recorded. Uh, I have a team of virtual assistants that go in and listen to every call. And they are looking for uh, key phrases and words. They're also uh, taking notes and making assignments to the clients. And then preparing the next call for the coach to be able to get on. I mean, these coaches make make a good living in real estate. And so we take everything off their plate besides being able to focus on the client. And so we've never had, a, I've never had an issue with a, with a coach going off the rails. Never. Yeah. Like, so you, so I'm coaching a client. I don't have to worry about the notes or worry okay. about saying, Hey, what did I tell him? What was that? What, what, uh, what advice did I gave him or what tasks did I give him from next week? You have virtual assistants that listen to the call. They take the notes, they assign the task to that client. Um, and you told me snack toad, right? Yep. I remember snack toad. What's tell, tell everyone about snack toad. So snack toad is strategic plan. We always review a strategic plan before we get on a coaching call. We review the notes from the previous call. We look at the assignments. Yeah, you're making me do this from memory. We look at the assignments assignments that they've done, right? So S-N-A-C. Let's see. Um, I don't remember. And then we look at their lead tracker. We look at their transaction tracker. We look at their daily success habits. So there's a series of things that we review prior to a call. So we always tell our clients in the contract, they get a 30-minute call. But my coaches are trained to always give an hour. Mm-hmm. And so we always give them twice as much as they expected when they got contract. When Under they, promise and over deliver. Yep. Right. And then, and then I have a, in, inside the software, I have one person who's a full-time staff person we call a save specialist. And his job is to go in and you can look at all of the coaching sessions. I can look at all of the notes and I can see if the clients are doing their assignments, if the coach is posting the notes, if they're not having two calls a month, and I can see it in the dashboard. And then they'll reach out to the coaches. Hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. So that's how you're holding them accountable. They know that if they're not having their calls, then things are being tracked and someone's yeah. just looking at it um, to say, Hey, you know, you missed a call what's going on or were you on vacation? Um, okay. We track everything that, you know, I say that which gets measured gets done. Yeah. I mean, I want to know how many conversations you have to have today to get an appointment and how many appointments you need to get a listing and how many listings you need to get a closing. And I'm going to figure that out. We're going to break it down to how many minutes you need to spend every day looking for new business. And once we dial that in, all we do is duplicate those activities. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Uh, on the speaking side of things, Rural, you said early on you wanted to speak. Do you speak specifically about real estate early on? What was the subject matter you wanted to speak upon when you were first starting out as a speaker? I didn't know. I didn't know. I So what I got, so, I mean, this is kind of a story, but... So I had a, I used, I used to be in the satellite dish hot tub business and I owned retail stores. So I started when I was 21 and for about eight years, I was in that business. And the guy that owned the computer store next to my satellite dish store selling the old Commodore computers, like mm-hmm. you don't even know what that is. Um, I don't know what a Commodore is. <laughs> right. That, that was the predecessor to the Mac. 
Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that is a dark back when Atari was the big thing and people that were doing gaming anyway. So I was out selling houses. I got, I closed my stores, got into real estate, was having great success. And he came to me and he said, Hey, I've, I've got a contract to deliver laptops to a company that does training for realtors. And we're looking for someone to present. And I was like, sure. So I didn't even know what that was. And so I would do seminars and he would, he would run the computer and he would point to what I was supposed to talk to with his mouse on the screen. And I would just talk about it because I didn't know how to use the technology. Yeah. So we started by teaching technology to realtors and we built that company up and I successfully sold that to homes.com in the late nineties. And we were the largest training company. And then we went out with homes.com and we raised capital. And because we had capital that was able to get me to sponsor all kinds of events that would put me on the main stage and we would teach, you know, when they started doing this technology, they would teach, here's, here's the technology. Here's what you could do with it. And I changed all that messaging to let me show you how to make money with it. Like yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with the features, but here's how you use it to make money. And I became known as someone who could figure out what the consumer really is looking for and how to use the technology to deliver that to them. And we became these technology experts. I would fly over doing tech tours and all kinds of stuff. And that was my, I mean, I would speak to anybody. You'd put 50 people in a room and feed them free lunch. And I'd show up and I wouldn't, you didn't have to charge. I wouldn't charge anything. And I would just speak. And I did hundreds and hundreds of events for free. And so I just had to learn how to be able to deliver a message. And then we figured out that at the back of the room, people would sign up for our coaching or buy our systems and became a very lucrative uh, successful business. We just have fun. So now you, I get paid to speak, which I love to do anyway. So my life, I have a good life. I like, I, 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 I look back, I, I think about what I've done for the last 20 plus years and I can't believe I get paid to do it. Yeah. That's, that's phenomenal. Now it's uh it's an unbelievable story. And that's why I wanted to have you on because we got a little glimpse of it, you know, at the, uh, at the conference in Vegas and over breakfast, I felt like we could have sat there for three hours at breakfast, but we had to go go in the room and listen to Joel for a little bit longer, which was, it was a phenomenal conference. We had a great time. Joel so Block is such next? a good guy. He's such a good leader and I, I, he's so smart. What is next for you, Burl? Like that you're building the workman success systems. You've got your family pretty much. You're trying to get them to take the reins. Obviously you still have your thumb on the whole thing. So, you know, is there another venture you're out to do? Are you, are you buying real estate? Are you still selling real estate? You know, what else you got going on? So we're all licensed. So we're all in the business mm-hmm. and we're doing some investing in real estate. Um, we've got a pro- I've got one property under contract right now. It's investment property. We're looking outside of Utah. Utah is the worst. Now, what's second worst in the country? Our average sales price has gone through the roof and there's such a high demand. And so we're looking outside the country at property. But for me, the next, the next thing for me is um, I'm no longer in sales. I'm in business development and people development. Mm-hmm. So my role as the CEO of the company has gone from, hey, you're the most important person to go out and sell stuff to now it's important for me to train and develop the next generation of leaders. Yeah. And so I'm in business development, leadership development, and I'm working with big brands and big companies and helping them incorporate team solutions into their into their. Uh, companies. There's big challenges out there. There, uh, There's a lot of movement. Agents aren't loyal. Brokers don't know how to talk teams. They've never had teams. They're afraid of teams. And so there's so much opportunity out there. But for me personally, my next thing is, is um, I want to, uh, I want to make a difference. And so we've just started a program that starts in June, where we'll be uh, coaching and mentoring 50 young um, African college graduates on entrepreneurship. 
And oh, wow. we're, doing that. we're doing that for free. And I've got five of my master coaches and we're each going to put them into groups and based on what their product or service is, and we're going to change some lives. That's awesome. What made you come up with that? Um, I didn't come up with that. I was sitting at a conference. Uh, one of our mutual friends is a guy by the name of David Horsager, and he would be a fun guy to have on your podcast. And he wrote a book called The Trust Edge, sitting here on my desk just because I'm reading it. So this is it. This is The Trust Edge. And I'm not selling anybody's book, but this is like, so David has worked with the leadership of Kenya for the last eight years in uh, converting them from a dictatorship to a democracy. Mm -hmm. Now think about that. Wow. So he flies out there and they follow these eight principles of trust, which in the real estate investing side of thing, if you don't have trust, you don't have anything. And so you just think about the principles. So I went to his conference and uh, I, he had asked me to come and share some things with the people that teach his program. And I also wanted to take uh, my son with me because I wanted him to learn these leadership principles. So we went to Minneapolis and we sat through three days of trust leadership. And this guy from Kenya talked about uh, what they were doing. And I was sitting there with my son and I just felt this, I, I don't know how to describe it to you. This, uh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a call. I, I just felt like I needed to get him, go meet this guy. Yeah. And so I just, I said, Nate, uh, we're going to do something with those guys. And he's like, what? I said, you want to go meet him? He goes, I guess. So I just <laughs> walked over there and sat at the table with the Kenyan, dele with the Kenyan delegation. I said, hey, I'm Earl. What, what do yeah. you guys do? And we, just started, we just started talking. And the guy that I was talking to is the country coordinator. So he's like the coordinator of the country. Wow. And he runs a program called African Youth Leadership Organization. And we just started talking. And I said, you know, I don't know um, if you need help or if there's anything that I can do, but I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to do something. Well, he reached out and talked to my assistant and mm -hmm. got on a call. And we did a call and we thought, you know, let's do eight people. Let's help eight. And so he put the message out to their group and they had 20 people sign up in like eight minutes. Yeah. He says, bro, can you handle 20? I says, bring me 50 and I'll get other people to help. So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to do business planning and help them figure out what their product or service is and help them create businesses around it. So Man, that's so awesome. Food on the table. Yeah. Isn't that fun? That's so awesome. Though well, the, the fact that the, you've built workman success systems up to the point where you can step back and do things like that, where you're not, you know, you're not in the weeds all the time and you have ability to see other opportunities and other callings like this and give back to people that are in need. There's so many people that need information like this, but there's a lot of people that don't have the ability to pay for it, to do that. You know, they don't, they can't pay for the coaching, but they need the coaching. And, you know, what an opportunity for you to give back. So congratulations. I haven't even, I haven't even started yet. And they're so grateful. Like it's yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> cool to be part of a group that they're so hungry and they just want yeah. you know, somebody to, someone to help. I, I, it's so funny because I'm as excited about that as big contracts that I'm signing. Yeah, and I have some big national contracts that are huge that are just fun and we're implementing. But I talk about like I'm excited about this and how yeah. I help them. And that's I don't know. It's it's, it's like talking about my grandkids. Yeah, you really want to get me excited? Let's talk about them. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. We're a lot we'll save about that. Um, there are a few. There are a few. Uh, I guess main questions we ask every guest on the podcast, and one of them is: you know, we have the group from middle class to millionaire. We started the Facebook group about three months ago. We already have over two thousand members. It's a very fast growing group because I think there is a need. I know there is a need for information for the average middle-class person to say, how do I get out of this trap? So if you dial yourself back, I think we're all in the middle-class at one point is, you know, what advice would you have for that 
person that is working that nine to five and paycheck to paycheck is, is what is the first step they need to take to get their butts out? All right. So that's a great question. The first thing I'm going to tell you is, is that, and I, you know, I know this isn't a religious podcast, but I believe we're all sons and daughters of God. So whatever that means to you, and I don't think he makes mistakes. And so we all have tremendous potential. There's no any individual that's any better than anybody else. And so you first have to believe that. Why not you? You know, people believe that, you know, they can, they don't think they could, you know, make money as an investor. They don't believe they can do it. And so they don't try or make the effort. So I think it all starts with recognizing that you have, you know, royal heritage and that you come from a good place and that you have, you know, the same potential as everybody else. And then the next thing is, is to become disciplined in the outcome. And so, you know, when they engage with you in coaching or they hire, you know, somebody to help a mentor them and they get somebody that's really helping them through the process, um, decide where it is they want to go and be really clear. So let's just say that I want to make an extra $3,000 a month. I mean, that's not a big, it's not too big. It's not like millions, but it's a start. And so what's the method I get there and what has to happen? I have to break that down to daily and then I have to block time and make it, I call it NNA, non-negotiable activities. They're the activities you're going to do every single day that are not negotiable. Mm -hmm. So during your lunch break, are you identifying properties or do you first have to find funding or you have to decide what your niche is going to be? You know, you have to contact people that have the ability to put you in front of those types of investments that you're interested in. So you have to have non-negotiable activities. And then you have to do that non-negotiable. It means non-negotiable. It means you don't negotiate. It means if something comes up, we do it. And until it's done, you know, and there's a lot of middle-class Americans that are Americans that are ripped. They spend four hours a day in the gym and they work. I mean, you're a good looking guy. You look like you spend some time in the gym, but if you don't, so what I would say is you don't get to go to the gym and reward yourself unless you do that non-negotiable activity today. So yeah. you use that accountability isn't something that someone does to you. I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. I mean, you're a strong-willed individual. You're a strong entrepreneur. You know who you are. So I can't make you do it. Accountability is a choice you have to make. And yeah. so it's not something someone does to you. So choose accountability. Believe you, believe you can, first of all. Find non-negotiable activities, decide what they are every day and execute the basic fundamentals that I, I, I like in all the success that I've seen a lot of people go from um, not believing they had value because the people in their life have told them they hadn't had value. Some there's always been someone holding them down mm -hmm. to start to recognize they have value to achieving great wealth. And what I've noticed is the ones who really do it are the ones who execute on the basic fundamentals that everybody else knows they should do, but they don't, they don't do it. So just do it. Be the one that says, I'm going to do that activity. I mean, I'd ask you, Brandon, what's the one thing that a potential someone who wants to invest can do that will make the fastest impact on their ability to invest? What's the one thing? What is it? What's the one thing? Yeah. So if, you, if I want to be an investor and I come to you and say, I need some advice, where do I start? Give me one thing that you want to have me focus on today that would get me going in that right direction. Well, that, I think it comes down to the non-negotiable activity like you are, uh, that you talked about, right? It's, it's every, everyone's one thing is different based off the lifestyle they have. If, they have, if it's a $50,000 minimum for our investments, they may not have $50,000. So they're going to say, well, how do I get to $50,000? And say, like, well, what, what kind of job do you have now? What are you working? Okay, let's find some additional income streams for you. You know, what else do you love to do that you can do in your spare time? Can you, 
Can you go sell, start a long company? Can you go sell, you know, you've got to create an additional income stream to get to that $50,000 to be able to invest in the deal. Other okay. people, other people have $50,000. And the question we ask them is like, okay, you have $50,000 to invest in a deal, but before you give that to us, do you have an emergency fund set up for your family? Are you in a situation financially that you can invest in, in real estate with 50,000? Because it's not liquid. It's wrapped up for five years. So I'm not going to take your last $50,000 just because I want to buy apartment A. So to, to answer your question, everyone's situation is different. But like you said, bro, that non-negotiable activity is so bang on. Um, but people need some guidance on what that is. Sometimes I was there. You know, there's days I wake up and I have a list of a thousand things to do and I got to go, which one is the most important? But if I know the direction where I want to be in five years, then I can pull from that list and go, these two things have got to get done today. And we call right. it moving, moving the needle every day. We want to move the needle forward every day, even if it's the smallest little thing and just be willing to do the things that other people aren't willing to do. I love it. I love that. I love that you said that. I love that you didn't give me a canned answer. You said it depends on what you want and where you are. Yes. That, that And that's, so that's what a coach does. So you just demonstrated to your listener group, what a good coach does is they ask questions to understand where you are. Mm -hmm. they, and a coach with integrity is a big deal to me. And that is that you, you said something that resonates with me is I would never put anybody in a financial situation that would be devastating to their family. And so if you can't lose it, you shouldn't do it. Correct. And I like most, uh, there's a lot of people that don't have those um, core values baked into their business model. And so I love that you're talking about that as part of your core values, because those who listen to you will recognize that as something that they should totally engage in. Yeah. Um, you know what a bigger issue is, is when you have um, lots of opportunities, how do you, how do you, how do you choose who you're going to coach? Right. Who, who do you coach? Well, we talked to, we talked to your son about that because he's the one who does the onboarding calls for a lot of clients that call in. And he said, you know, we don't coach everybody. Like you've got to, you've got to figure out, are they the right fit for you as a coach or else you're going to be wasting their time and your time. Yeah. I want to make sure I can make a difference. I had a great, uh, so on nine 11, I was, I was with some great Olympians and we were speaking in, in downtown Salt Lake city at the grand America hotel. And I was with a guy by the name of John neighbor who has four gold medals and three silvers in swimming. Um, Peter Vidmar was the first American male to get a gold medal in gymnastics. A guy by the name of Henry Marsh who had competed in four different Olympics, never medaled, but held several world records in the steeplechase. And a gal by the name of Nikki Stone, who was a gymnast who fractured her vertebrae, uh, being Olympic hopeful, never got to go to the Olympics, but was messing around on the jumps in Park City, was picked up by the ski jumper, went to Nagano, Japan, and won a gold medal in ski jumping. So imagine being with these people, and we were all sharing the stage speaking at an event when the first plane hit the towers. Wow. And John Neighbor was talking, and then we were with a guy named Firestone that was an ESPN commentator, and we all were, we all went to a suite in the hotel, and we were watching this go on as um, the 9-11 happened, then everybody's plane got canceled, and we were stuck in this hotel room. And uh, we, had, we developed a program during that meeting called Team USA Coaching. And so these Olympians get their gold medals and they go out in the world and they want to go speak and talk, but they don't, they do their speech and that's it. And so the concept behind it was that uh, companies who hire them could then 
have a call a month with a different Olympian that would tell their gold medal winning formula. Cause they all have systems that are all yeah. like overachievers. It's really cool. It was like, I was just in, I'm like a groupie. So I'm wow. sitting in this room and I'm talking <laughs> to all these people. And I asked John neighbor, like I said, John, when you're that good, when you have that many medals, who do you coach? And he said, have you ever seen a, like a, a little boy or girl at the park with a brand new Labrador puppy? And that puppy is pulling that kid through the park. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. He goes, I coach that puppy. <laughs> says, if I have to pull you or kick you or motivate you or give you bacon to get you going, I don't have energy for it. I right. want you to be the kid on the end of the bench. It's like, come on, coach, put me in. Let's go. I need to get in. Put me in. I want it. He's, and, and that's been our philosophy. Like if I have to talk you into coaching, if I have to like do a big hard close or sales pitch, we're not going to have a good experience. Mm-hmm. And so I want people who are ready that really want the information that we're sharing. We have a proven track record. We know we can get a result. And if you're hungry and you're humble and you're teachable, let's go. And we'll have fun. Be that, be that puppy on the leash. So if, if I could give advice to you guys as a business, that would be to identify those puppies. Yeah. That's then, phenomenal. That's a good story too, man. That's incredible. All right. Now let's go. Uh, I want you to say something maybe negative about the business world, the coaching world, the real estate world. We do a segment on here. What bruises your bananas? It is the gorilla state investing podcast. So we want to know, you know, what bruises your bananas, Verl, of the things you see out there from whether it's other coaches, mentors, other people, you know, what kind of grinds the gears for you? Um, okay. So I'll give you my first statement. And that is, is that I don't focus on what anybody else does. I only focus on what I can control. And so the behavior that other people have, which isn't always ethical, it always bothers me because we have to go in and people have had a bad experience with a coach that didn't deliver. They didn't have the systems they promised, or they, you know what I mean? They didn't do it. They didn't, they didn't keep the promise they made when somebody signed up with them and they come to us saying, what makes you different? We have to go through and, and, and bring them back around. So, you know, cleaning up other people's messes. And as a speaker, the other thing that probably bothers most speakers is that when they hear their content being re- I uh, reshared from the stage as if it was there, as if it was somebody else's ideas or thoughts. Um, you know, I, there's not a lot of brand new ideas. And I learned from Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins and Dr. Schuler and David Horsager and Joel Block. And when I hear something great from them, I say, I heard from Joel that if you do these things, like I don't, I, it doesn't have to be mine. I'm not that smart of a guy. Right. So I think, I think plagiarism is something that bothers a lot of people in my business. Um, and then just over deliver, like, like from a coaching perspective, um, the, the other thing that's hard is no matter how much, there's always people that pay you that won't do the work. They don't do the work. Yeah. And like, and so we want, we want it more for them than they want it for themselves. And they just keep paying you and they don't do the work and they show up with a bag of excuses on every call. Like that's frustrating. And it's frustrating when like, you don't, you don't need to be here. I, I don't need to, I don't need to be here doing this. I'm doing this because I want to help you and you've paid for it. So like, I can't come do the work for you. You can do the work. So that's frustrating. That bruises yeah. my bananas. <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome, Burl. Well, um, <laughs> I know, I know we both have other things and meetings to get to during the day. So I guess the last thing, Burl, I'll just let you share, where can people find you, find information on you? If they're interested in workman success systems, where do they go? I'll give you a little time to plug um, your business and yourself here. Well, I, pre- I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm looking for the puppy on the leash. So if you're hungry and you want to do something that uh, you, you know, you, you know, you have the ability, but you don't know how to get there. 
then give us a call. If you're in real estate and you want to build a seven figure income business, whether it's an individual or a team, then I would just go to workmansuccess.com and then click on coaching and schedule a coaching consultation. And one of my, you might, you may get to talk to one of my sons, you'll get a call with our team and they'll figure out where you are and where you want to go. And then we do webinars and things all the time. Just follow us, follow us on social media at workman success, at Viral workman on Instagram. And you'll see that we're putting on all kinds of webinars and just kind of engage, listen to how we teach people. Uh, I'm dressed up today because I'm doing a big Remax webinar later today. That's going to be fun. We have thousands of people that are registered and it's going to be a, uh, and it's all about teams. How do you succeed with teams? Yeah. And, and by the way, and just, you know, by the way, teams are the same things as families. The principles that work for successful teams work for successful families. And that's a podcast for another day, but I'd love to be on that one with you. Oh, we're getting you back, Pearl. I thank you very <laughs> much for your time and um, the listeners. I mean, so much value. Thank you very much, Pearl. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Good luck with everything you're doing. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast, where we give you the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. Learn more at realfocus.org slash gorillastatepod.